We're going to have a, we're going to have a blast tonight. I want to offer you something tonight and it's available to every Christian, but very few Christians are interested in it. I don't understand why it's one of the greatest things in all this world, but I want to talk to you tonight about the beauty of a crucified life. Mm, Not Jesus, me. I want to talk about a crucified life tonight. You very seldom hear this talked about in Christianity more. I don't understand why. It is, the, it is the greatest treasure you can have on this earth. Now, not heaven. Jesus was crucified so you could have heaven. I have to be crucified to have the great life on this earth. And we're going to talk tonight about a crucified life. I want you to see this in Scripture. We're going to do a little study. I want you to see it in Scripture. And when we're done, I want you to make a decision. This has nothing to do with whether you get into heaven or not. You don't have to be crucified with Christ to get into heaven. This is for something else. I want you to look tonight in the Bible at a crucified life. Now, to me, it's the beauty of the crucified life. It's just, it's wonderful. I'm going to invite you to, to try it tonight. <clears throat> the great verse, Mark chapter 8, Jesus is speaking. Y'all know you've heard this. Verse 34, Mark 8, 34. Mark 8, 34. When he called the people to himself with his disciples, and I got a huge crowd, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me. Did Jesus just offer, and did see the word whoever, anybody, preacher, prostitute, it doesn't matter, anybody. And so Jesus issues this invitation, anybody can come with me. Anybody can come after me. But let me ask you a question where he said, follow me, come after me. What do you see in front of follow me? If any man wants to come after me, let him do what? Deny himself up his cross and then you can follow me. What comes in front of following Jesus? The cross. Now somebody tell me what a cross is for. I know Madonna wears it around her neck when she does her filth struts and all that but we wear them as jewelry. What's the cross for? What happened to Jesus at the cross? He died there. Jesus was killed at the cross. Well he tells me to take up my cross. Not Christ's cross, my cross. Do you understand what he's saying here? I want, you're gonna have, I want you to die and then come with me. He said, well, see me like it'd be hard to follow somebody who wants you as dead. He can do it. He's got this thing figured out. This is, called, this is where the Bible starts speaking about the crucified life. And we're gonna talk about the crucified life tonight. I'll, this is, just listen to me, okay? Just listen to me tonight. And uh, perhaps you've never heard this, but let's look at it. <clears throat> in our churches in America, I think we're warped. I think we're upside down on some things. I think what we call maturity and greatness in our churches ain't even close. See, in our churches, let me tell you what happened. We think that we talk about they're very mature Christians, they're, they're real deep Christians, all this stuff. You know what we usually mean? They've learned a lot. Because see, we, we, we want to study, we study Bible studies, we have discipleship programs, we learn a lot. But doing knowing knowledge is not the mark of maturity in the body of Christ. It's not even close. One of the great men I love so much, Peter Lord, he said this, in the latter 1970s, early 80s, the denomination that I'm a part of, and he's a charismatic Baptist, he said, the denomination I'm part of, we switched from, we switched and we began to put an emphasis on learning and teaching and tapes and Bible studies. Of course, now it's CDs and podcasts and revivals and conferences. And we put all the emphasis on learning instead of the crucified life that was here in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. And he said, you know what happened to us? Because we put all the emphasis on learning and knowledge and knowing things, 
We got the arrogance that knowledge brings instead of the edification that love brings. We talk about a great verse, 1 Corinthians 8, 1. Don't look it up and just quote it to you. This is a telling verse. We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes people arrogant. Love builds people up. And he said, instead of loving our neighbors and seeking to love people just like they are, all of a sudden we thought the answer was to be able to explain the book of Hezekiah in Hebrew. And we just thought it was all about learning and studying, listening to more tapes. And he said, we got the knowledge and now we got the arrogance that comes with it instead of the beauty that love brings with it. I don't think maturity is how much you know. I think you can have a PhD in Bibleology or Bibleology or whatever and be grossly immature. I know Christians that have been saved three months. They couldn't find the book of Job if they had to. But I, I see Jesus plastered all over them. It's not knowledge. I'm not against knowledge. Guess what I'm doing? I'm teaching. But Jesus, what did Jesus say? He said, if you want to come after me, get you, get you a, a podcast machine and get you a bunch of books. Is that what he said? He said, if you're going to walk with me, embrace the cross. Hug the cross and come to the cross and die to self and follow me. All right, now, how many of you were born? Has anybody here ever been born before? Okay, I'm asking simple questions tonight. I know you ate a lot tonight. We're going to rest. All right, were you born after you got born? Did I'm not talking about born again. I mean natural born. Did, what did you do after you got born? You, you started growing. Some of us are still growing. When you get born, you should grow up. It's okay to poop in your britches and throw up if you're three months old. If you're still doing it at 37, we got a problem, Doc. <laughs> you know, you, you have your children, they, they crap all over you. You don't care. They keep you up at night. You don't care. They barf. They give you nothing. They, you don't care. Babies do that. Get a little bit older, you start expecting them to put your shoes in the closet. Right after you get married, you start expecting that kind of stuff. But as we grow, we expect to grow up as, a, as people. Guess what? The Bible paints the same picture. When I'm born again, now I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. And the Bible says I should, I'm going to show it to you in a minute. Let us grow up into all things, into Christ who is the head. So we want to grow up. Now, I, again, I don't, think, I don't think knowledge grows you up. I think good food and exercise grows you up physically and spiritually. I want you to see, listen to me, listen to me. You weren't born again to go to heaven. You were born again to grow. Heaven will be here one day, but there's something between being born again and heaven. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter four. I want you to see that. Ephesians chapter four. In Ephesians chapter four, this is that great passage where he talks about what Jesus is going to be doing in the earth. There was Jesus is working in the earth today. But let me tell you something about Jesus today. No more drafting. He is an all-volunteer army. You have, to sign, you have to want to be with him. He doesn't draft people. It's an all, our army today in America is an all-volunteer army. The only way you can get in is to want in. And you notice what Jesus said in Mark 8? He said, you don't have to come with me, but if you want to, I want you. But you, you can only, you can't keep your long hair if you go in the army. They're going to cut it off. I'd be fine, but I'm too old. You can't keep your self-life if you're going to follow Jesus. He's going to cut it off. Yeah. Got to come to the cross. 
And this is that great passage in Mark, Ephesians 4. We won't look at all of it. But he talks about some things here. And uh, he talks about we get saved. We come to the family of God. Things happen. Unity, verse 4. Let's put it in verse 14. That we should no longer be what? Children. We should no longer be children tossed to and fro with every crazy wind of doctrine and people jacking us around and we're deceitful and we're goofy. He said, it's okay to be a child, but we should no longer be children. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, we should what? Say that word with me, grow up. We should grow up in all things unto Christ, into Christ, him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the working by which every part does its share, causes growth, growth, growth of the body. Can you see what the Bible said there? It's okay to be a child at one time in your life, but there comes time when you've got to grow up yeah. into Jesus so we can take our place. Amen. And th this, is not about, this is not about positions or offices. This is about personal growth. Yeah. This is about growing up in Jesus. Uh, how many of you acted goofy when you was young? Yeah. <laughs> how many of you still doing it? Okay. 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, let me show you one more before we take off here. 1 Corinthians 13. This is the, I don't know if you knew this or not, 1 Corinthians 13 is the pinnacle of the Bible. Charles Stanley, if you ever get, if the communist ever capture you and you can't have but one chapter in the Bible, this is the one you want. Live this chapter, you'll live the whole faith. It's called the love chapter. Uh, I forget who it was, called it the crown jewel of the Bible. This is the pinnacle right here. So he talks about walking in love. Now let me just go, let me get out ahead of myself and say something here. We are so impressed with people can work miracles. I'm all about miracles. Gracious knows we need them in this church to help people. We are so impressed with people that know these deep things that have been to the third heaven and had 19 visions. We got to get off this stuff in the carnal American church. There's nothing wrong with that. But if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am nothing. We've got to get the number one thing back where it belongs. Maturity is not crazy visions and dreams. And I'm not against that. I'm old, guess what old men do? They dream dreams. We have crazy visions. I'm not against gifts. That's wonderful. But there was, we have elevated stuff that wasn't supposed to be elevated. The mark of maturity in a believer's life is to love like Jesus loves. That you don't get any higher than that. There's, there's, no, there's nothing above that. Matter of fact, he points this out in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11, where he said this. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I understood like a child. I thought like a child. But when I became a man... God put away childish things. It does not say that, does it? Who gets to put away the childish things? Can you see the difference? This is not talking chronological. When I was a baby Christian and a young Christian, I acted like an idiot. I'm just going to cut to the chase. I remember I got saved two weeks later. You talk about temptation, falling into temptation. Two weeks later, they put me on a church softball team. I'd been saved two weeks. They put me on a church softball team. I was a cussing, hell-raising, drug-using, cut-you-in-a-heartbeat. And they put me on a church softball team in two weeks. Well, I made it through about six innings and I flew into a cussing fit over something. See, we weren't saved. Shut your face. Of course I was saved. I was a baby Christian. And the, the minister took me aside and said, we, we can't cuss in church softball. I said, I can. I was real good at it. Didn't you just see it? Well, and I, I, he was gracious and I, I agree, I agree. I thought I just gave up drugs, Led Zeppelin, hell raising, and I got to quit cussing too. Could we ease into this thing a little bit? 
I was a baby. When I was a child, I acted like a child. You know why? Because I thought like a child. But when I became a man, when I grew up, it was time to leave that stuff behind. It's time to grow up, isn't it? When you leave that stuff. This is called, this is not being saved. You can be saved and be as obnoxious and aggravating as a, as a persimmon that ain't had time to ripen. Bite one. You'll find out what that means. But maturity is to grow up into the things of Jesus. And when you grow up, when you become a man or a woman, you put away childish things. This is that great passage of 1 Corinthians 13, that this is the pinnacle. That's why it says, I don't care if you have enough faith to remove mountains. If you haven't matured in love, that doesn't mean anything to him. I don't care if you give all your money to, to feed people. If you give your body to be burned at the stake, if you don't walk in love, you hadn't found the top yet. Yeah. You hadn't found maturity yet. This is that great passage that points us to that. You know, maturity is the crucified life. Now, let me point something out here. The trek of physical life is the same as spiritual life. You got babies, grown men, and then fathers and mothers. Ultimately, we want to become fathers and mothers. Why don't you look at that with me if you've never seen it in 1 John chapter 2, where the Bible talks about the trek of our lives. And uh, dear ones, let me make an announcement. Following Jesus is like marriage. It ain't a two-night wonder. It's not a 30-day wonder. It's a, we're in this for the long haul. It's a long haul deal. Matter of fact, you can't get no longer hauling than staying with Jesus. And he says this about our, well, I want you to watch the growth that we experience here as believers. First John 2, 15, 2, 2, 12. First John 2, 12. He, now he's writing to Christians. Look how he describes three different types of Christians. First John 2, 12. I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. And that where you start? You, you get your sins forgiven. You're born again. You're just a little child in Jesus. I write to you fathers because you have gotten to know him who's from the beginning. I write to you young men because you've learned how to battle and you take the word of God and you've overcome the wicked one. And then he repeats it again, verse 14. You see the progression? You had a little child, a little immature child. Then you become a young man. You learn how to do battle with the word. And then you become a father. All right, I want to ask you a question now about these three stations. <clears throat> what's the mark of a child? A little, little, little baby child. Let's say brand new baby. What's the mark of a little baby? It is all about me. Now people say, they say it's awful that we preachers, we preachers don't say it, our God says it. It's awful that we preachers say that that precious little baby is born in sin. Have one. <laughs> Have you one, Doc? They don't mean they smoke cigars and drink whiskey. God have mercy. Sin is not cigars and whiskey and card playing. What is the, what is the definition of sin? Self-centeredness. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about me. Yeah. The globe spins around me. Self-centeredness. Right, what's the mark of a little baby? They wait, a baby doesn't wake up in the night wet and say, mom and dad have had a hard day today. Dad's tired. I'm not going to wake them up. I'm going to let them sleep. <laughs> Your babies do that. That ain't going to happen. Buddy, they, they can be in public. They don't care. They'll scream in public. I'm not being unkind. I like babies. I was one at one time, but here's the deal. What is the mark of a baby? Totally self-centered. Everything spins around me. You say, not my baby. You put your baby between that baby and put one cookie between the two of them. Let's find out. They don't say, here, I, I, I have pleasure in you eating it here. That's not going to happen. I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying we're born in sin and sin is just self-centeredness. All right. Now that's, that's why children need parents Amen. who got some sense. Amen. All right. So children start growing. What do we teach them? No, no. 
Can't hit your sister in the head with that hairnet can because you want what she's got. We got to share. We teach them how to share. We teach them how to grow up as they grow. Right? And they grow up a little bit. But what is a father? That's somebody that's not about him anymore. He's spending his life taking care of somebody else. A father is somebody who's gotten over his self-centeredness. When he was a child, he acted like a child. But when he became a father, he put that mess to the side. And now what does a father do? He gets up and goes to work when he don't feel like it because he wants to take care of his family. Baby cries in the night. He gets up in the night, takes care of that baby even when he's tired because he sacrifices for, for somebody else. You understand the mark of maturity is not that you can speak Greek or Hebrew or homebrew. It's when you can lay down your life for somebody else. It's when you embrace the cross personally and you die to self. This is maturity. Jesus said, the son of man did not come to be served. I didn't come sit on no throne. Y'all wait on me, but he came to serve, which is the mark of real maturity. That's the ultimate mark of Christ likeness is the ability to serve. And a uh, mark of a father's is not about me anymore. It's about learning to care for other people. Matter of fact, let me show you. I know you, have you ever heard of John 3.16? There's a beautiful parallel. 1 John 3.16. Turn with me to 1 John 3.16. You talk about a neat verse. All right, dear ones, when we had our babies, they puked on us. They messed up our schedules. We couldn't even go anywhere without carrying, with, without loading the van up with junk. Couldn't just grab your billfold and go out the door anymore. But that's all right. Because number one, you don't expect them to be able to do any better at that age. Number two, I'm a grown man. I can do better. And then, then praise God, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to get old. We're going to reverse it. I'm moving in with them. They're going to look after me. Be a burden to my children. All right. Now, dear ones, how many of you believe Jesus loves you? How many of you believe he doesn't just love you? He proved it. Greater love has no man than this, than to buy him a gift card, lay down his life for his friend. I believe Jesus loved me. Watch this verse, 1 John 3, 16. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. It's the only way you can return the favor to Jesus. You can't do anything for him. Jesus says, now I've been good to you. I want you to do for others what I did for you. The, you know what maturity is? It's not when you have experienced the love of God. It's when you begin to love like God loves. Yeah. It's when you begin to, what, what is, you notice he talks about this life thing over and over. What does it mean to lay down your life? If you have a need and I want some, I can't do both. Right. One of us got to give it up. If say I marry a, a woman and we're different, go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it. Why do you talk about being different? Who's alike? All right, we get two people married. And in this marriage, we got to walk together, together. But here's the problem. Somewhere along that route, whether it's one day or two years later, we're going to have a difference of opinion. Amen. Strong opinions. And I'm going to be right. Hang on. And she's going to be right. What are we going to do now? I'm counseling my college roommate. He called me after a few years. He finally found somebody to marry him. And he said, won't get married. I said, well, you got to talk to me first. So I came over talking. And they were in this new age, weird, modern psychology crap. I said, I said, all right, listen to me carefully. They were going to share everything. And I said, all right, what you going to do when a decision comes and you want this and you want this? 
Who's going to decide? Oh, they were as confused as a termite and a yo-yo by the time they got done. It don't work like that. We're just going to love each other. That don't mean squat. If you're going to be married to a person and be locked in for a life relationship, somebody had better learn to die in there somewhere. Somebody got to die. If she wants to go to the beach and I want to go to the mountain, somebody got to die to their desires. If there's a race on, NASCAR race, decent entertainment. And there's a Hallmark movie on. Hallmark only made one movie. They just changed the names. And we got one TV. Somebody going to have to die. Guess who's going to be at my house? And I'm being silly about that. Do you understand that if can two walk together unless somebody dies somewhere? So okay, I died yesterday, you die today. I'm sorry. Sorry, dear ones. Jesus didn't die every other day. Jesus didn't lay down his life for me on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Sorry, Doc. This is love. He died for me. And I'm going to die for people. This is the mark of maturity. This is what real, this is grown up stuff right here. All right, we're going to talk about what I want to tell you. I want to do this. I want to look, what does the crucified life look like in day-to-day life? And how do I get there? Because dear ones, listen to me. You can be born again and be full self. Mm. Self on the throne. The Bible talks about that a lot. What does it look like in day-to-day life if I, if I embrace a crucified life? And how do I actually do it? Let's look at those two things. Number one, what's it going to look like if I embrace a crucified life? Two, three things about, a, about what's it going to look like. Number one, other people go first others first. Turn with me to one of the greatest examples in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians 10. We all believe we're free in Christ. Everybody's got freedom. The problem is we're turning our freedom into license today. The Bible said in Galatians, you've been called to freedom, but do not use your freedom to jack your flesh up. It's an opportunity for your flesh, but through love, serve one another. You're not free to act like an idiot. You're free to serve people. That's true freedom. And here's a great picture. Here's just one example of their community and we'll apply this to our community. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23. See if you agree with the Bible. Did I just say see if you agree with the Bible? Cancel that last one. See if you've heard this. Verse 23. All things are legal for me. Not all things are helpful. All things are lawful. Not all things edify. There are things I can do that are not illegal but they're not going to help my marriage. They're not going to help the people around me. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's helpful. Now, if it's not legal, I can't do it. Can we get a witness? We're not even doing that good in a lot of churches. If it's not legal, I can't do it. Maturity is not, well, can I get away with it anymore? Maturity is, what's this going to do to other people? Is it going to help other people? Is it not just, is it going to help them? Is it going to edify them? Are you with me? There's things I can do that the Bible doesn't speak against, but is this really going to help people? Is it going to help my kids? Is this going to help my friends? This legal, but it doesn't edify. Verse 24, let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. You say, that don't sound no fun to me. Let me, let me do, I'm going to do a commercial. If you'll hang with me for a few minutes, there's a treat for those who jump on this life. Hmm. Amen. I know it looks rough to start with, Sort of like colonoscopy. They make an announcement, they're not fun. 
But you know it's worse than a colonoscopy? <laughs> Dying young. Embracing the cross is not bad. It's wonderful. Yeah. There's a great blessing in it. I shouldn't have said that about colonoscopy. Take the off there too. <laughs> All right. Verse 25. Here's an example. Eat whatever's sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience sake. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. I just said, don't make sick. It does sense to me. All right, you got to understand the culture. We have it in our culture. Back then, now where's this church at? Corinth, which is the filthiest community in the Bible. 27 churches. This one's the pitiful one. There's not a place in America that's as defiled and filthy as Corinth was then. Filthy. I mean, hundreds of gods, hundreds of temples, temple prostitution. The, the way you made your offering was to go to the church and have sex with the prostitutes. That was their, they were defiled. And that was a horrible place, Corinth. Matter of fact, the phrase to be Corinthianized came out of that filthy place. Well, Corinth was so filthy and you got this great, these people that have been saved, they're trying to live in this pagan culture. I mean, it's worse than anything we got in America. Make Las Vegas look like a, a Mickey Mouse. Horrible culture they're in and their culture's influencing them. Starting to bear in on them. That's why he wrote in first chapter five, you got someone in your church having sex with their mama and you're proud of it? What's wrong with y'all? But see, their culture got in there. Or, or mother, or stepmother. And um, the deal was in that community, the way you made offerings to their gods was not with money, but with meat. Because you know, he brought meat as a covenant offering in the old covenant. Well, you went to the meat market, you bought meat, maybe a ham or, I don't know, probably not ham, or whatever. <laughs> but you bought meat, you took it to the temple, you gave it to the priest, and it was offered, that was your offering back then. I know it sounds weird, but New York sounds weird to me today. That's how they lived back then. All right, these priests, they're jacked up. They got a side gig going. They take the meat that's offered as an offering. They got, they got a meat truck on the side. They're out selling this meat at half price. And so, you know, they, it's been offered to idols. Well, these people had this thing, you're going to eat meat offered to an idol? And they're, they're out jacking this meat off at, at half price because, you know, preachers got to make a little money on the side too. So they're doing this. And uh, this is a problem in the culture. What did he say? He said, look, just eat the meat. He said, demons don't mean anything to you or God. You're above all that stuff. He said, the earth is the Lord. Just eat the meat and don't ask questions. Okay. If you were to say to me, well, Brother Brown, this, this hamburger you're eating, it actually, a Buddhist put it together. I don't give a rip. Let me pray the devil's off of it. I'm going to eat the sucker. That's called freedom. Okay. That's, it's legal. I go in restaurants where a little Buddha sitting down. I got an orange in front of me, a little candle. A candle. I don't know why the, he's sitting there. Well, I'm not going to, oh, I can't go in here. I'll go in and eat everything they got. Don't bother me. And I'll just scare them off. Get the demons off your dishes. Yeah, type deal. And this is what was going on in this culture. They're wondering, can we eat this meat? It's been offered to idols. We, will, it, will the demons actually get in us? He said, who, who is your God? And uh, he said, just eat the meat and quit wondering about it. You said, but there were some weak Christians. This really bothered them. I'm fixing to draw the parallel in our culture. Sit tight. I watch what he says here. He said, uh, verse 27, if any of those who do not believe invites you to dinner, you desire to go, eat whatever's set in front of you and don't ask, was it offered to him? Just eat the stinking thing. Eat it. But if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat it. Not because the demons will get on you. <laughs> do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you and for conscience sake, the earth is the Lord's. Verse 29, conscience, I say, not yours, but your brother. Why is my liberty judged by another man's 
conscience. What did he say there? Now, if, you, if you're going to eat this meat and some Christian says that was offered to a, an idol, you say, well, then I'm not going to eat it. I'm free to eat it, but if it's going to bother you, I'm not going to do it. You know what that's called? Death to self. That's called embracing the cross. Not all about me, it's about you. It's called dying to self. And this is the picture of what it means to, to grow up to this point. Verse 32 says this. Well, let's read verse 31. Here we go. Whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Amen. Amen, brother. Brian. I don't care what they say. I'm going to do it to the glory of God. Hang on a minute. You can't separate God from people. Verse 32, give no offense to the Jew or to the Greek, the believers or unbelievers, to the church of God. I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of others that they might be saved. What do you say? Even if it's legal for me to do it, I'm not going to do it if it creates a problem for you. That's called the crucified life. Now, we don't have this meat problem in our, well, we're starting to have this meat problem because them tree huggers get mad at you about eating meat, but I'm not that spiritual yet. I'm going to keep eating the meat. What's the parallel? Let me just open a can of worms in here. What's the parallel in our culture? Can Christians drink alcohol or not? That lights them up, buddy. And uh, you got Christians say, well, sure, it's fine to drink alcohol. A lot of them do it. Others say, no, they don't do it. Well, what, what's the answer? Turn with me to Romans 14. Matter of fact, they make this application. In Romans 14, we'll do playing cards too. We might do country music on this too. But there's, it's not about a fight over this stuff. It's all about who is going to be the mature one and say whatever's best for other people. That's the issue. It's not, is it legal? What's the issue? If I were to go to preach in a church, I hate neckties. I hate them. But if I were to go to preach in a church where it's not that they demand it, but that, that's just their custom, I'd wear one and be glad to do it. I don't have to wear a necktie to be saved. Can I get a witness? I don't have to bear one to preach. Can I get a witness? But if that's going to be a problem for them, I will gladly wear it. You say, well, you don't have to do that. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I am crucified with Christ. It's not about me anymore. It's about their well-being. And uh, this is Romans 14. This is a great passage where he talks about this. And uh, he said, verse 13, quit judging each other. Leave each other alone. I just said, verse 14, I know and am convinced by the Lord nothing's unclean. But if you think it's unclean, it is to you. Verse 15, if your brother is grieved because of your food or anything for that matter, you are no longer walking in love. If what is legal for you is causing trouble for somebody else, I'm still alive. I'm not walking in love in that regard. See how this is, this is not about learning Bible verses. This is not about having spiritual gifts. This is the pinnacle of faith. When you say, I am crucified. And what do I have to do to follow? If I'm going to be like Jesus, I have to, what do you say? Take up my cross. I have to die like he did. Jesus never looked after himself on the earth. Do you notice when they, he said the son of man didn't even have a place to lay his head. He didn't have a house. He sacrificed everything for my well-being and your well-being. And that is the highest calling that we can have in our lives. Let's look at this. Uh, verse, let's talk, well, let's cut through. Verse 20. I want to make sure I get the right. Okay, here we go. Verse 20. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of your groceries. All things are pure, but if it's evil for the man who eats with the fence, it's good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or made weak. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is the man who doesn't condemn himself. What do you say? Have you got, have you got faith to do some things other people don't enjoy it? Enjoy it privately. 
but don't stick it in people's ears. I'll give you another example. My grandmother, God rest her dear soul, I loved her dearly. She lived with us some back and forth. And my grandmother was, uh, she was out of that era where playing cards was of the devil. I'm not talking about gambling. I'm talking about spades, crazy eights, any cards. Cards were of the devil, devil. And she didn't put up that, but we played cards at our house. Well, what are we going to do? Stick it in grandma's ear when she comes? You ain't going to tell us what to do. No, no. Mama hid the cards when grandma came. He says, hypocritical. Read it again. It's not hypocritical. It's thinking of other people in front of yourself. Amen. Now, now listen to me. Ten commandments. There's no leeway there. That's not legal. <laughs> are you with me? Well, don't bother me to steal somebody else's wife. You in trouble, Jack. We ain't talking about that. We're talking about those gray areas where if this will help you, I'll do it. Right. I'm dying to having my way for the sake of other people. All right? It's like when you have a child, you just don't want to get up in the night. You just let them cry because you don't want to check on them. That is not big girl stuff there. We need to order, order some big girl panties from Amazon, get them delivered to the house. That's what we need to do there. We need to get some big boy britches too. This is called maturity in the Lord. While we're in Romans, we're right there, chapter 15. Watch this. We who are strong, does that mean physically strong? We who are more mature in the faith ought to bear with the weaknesses of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good leading to edification. What does that say? It's not about me anymore. Maturity is when it's about you. Yeah. What's best for the group out here? Uh, I know people that have, they've never smoked a cigarette in their lives. Uh, They've never, whiskey's never touched their lips. Yada, yada, all that junk. They got Sunday school pens on both sides. And they'll tear a church up and have their way. And that is gross immaterial. I don't care that you, I wish you would drink. You might soften up a little bit. I was being cute. I'm sorry. No, I was being cute there. Don't drink. But the point is, I don't care how, how religious you are. If you're still tearing people up with your tongue, you ain't there yet, Doc. God, it's not about me anymore. I'm not going, I'll tear this place up if I can't be the leader of the women's thing. My goodness. When we all get to heaven, how about you get there quick? We need some relief down here. Take that off. It's a bad night right here, isn't it? There was, if you're mature, we who are mature ought to bear with the weakness of the weak. Not beat them up, not run over them, not stick in there. Bear with it. But not about us, not to please ourselves. Please your neighbor for his good. What's it about? My way or my neighbor's edification? You know why? Read verse three. Christ didn't please himself. The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. You know why? Jesus did not live for himself. Jesus lived the most crucified life ever lived on this planet before he ever got to the cross. Everything he did was just poured out for other people. And, and that is the model. That's the Christ life. It has to come by the crucified life. Now, what's this, about, what's this about the cross and the crucified life? Let me tell you about me. I got Jesus living inside of me. Amen. If you're born again, Jesus is in you. I got the nature of Jesus inside of me. The spirit of God lives inside of me. Guess what's else inside of me too? Hmm. Romans 7, I see another law inside my members warring against the law of Christ. There's another side of me inside of here and it'll jack you up my heartbeat. You mess with me. Oh, aren't we spiritual tonight? You do it in public. There are two natures inside of you, dear ones, and they'll be there till the day you see Jesus face to face. You have a carnal nature, you have a Christ nature inside of you. It's called the flesh and the spirit. Listen to what Galatians 5 says, born again, the flesh wars against the spirit, 
The spirit wars against the flesh. These two fight against one another. So we struggle to do what we want. Oh, wretched man that I am. Listen to how he described it in Romans 7 again. The very thing I want to do, I don't do. The very thing I hate, I end up doing. And it's the battle between my flesh and my spirit. My spirit wants to love you, serve you, live for you, sacrifice for you. My flesh wants to give you the finger if you cut me off in traffic. The spirit man inside of me wants to love my wife like Christ loves the church and sacrifice for her. My goal in life is for her to be beautiful in Jesus. The flesh side of her wants me to get something done for me. Where's my underwear? We, you're going to battle this till Jesus comes back every day. You say, how can some Christians be so ungodly? They haven't grown up yet. They've not embraced the cross. It is the cross that takes care of my flesh side. When, I'm, when Jesus is shining in me, it can be somewhere beautiful to look at. But when my ugly nature is shining, you best run somewhere. You say, what kind of preacher we got? Like everybody else. I just, I'm going to tell the truth about it. But see, the Bible says in Romans that this is maturity is when you, for other people. You sacrifice like this for other people. Um, <clears throat> number one, the crucified life means other people first. Other people first. Number two, the crucified life says this. Are you ready? It's going to get worse. One, two, three is going to get worse and worse. You have to bear with people. You have to bear with people. So I, you ever said, I ain't putting up with this junk no more. Ooh, back to the cross, Bubba. Colossians chapter three. Let me show you the beauty of, the, of what this is Jesus right here. I don't care if you got one of them great voices that can move people in song. I've known people that were great Christian singers that were obnoxious at the dinner table. I don't care. I don't care. If you can, spit, if you can sing with the tongues of men and angels, you can't love the waitress. I don't give a rip. That's nothing. I don't care if you can play the piano or preach sermons or... It's what we are so impressed with is not what Jesus came to die for. The beautiful life is not the talented life. It's the crucified life. Because what has to happen to Brian before Jesus can come through? I started to entitle this message, Die, Sucker. <laughs> I'm trying to be a little more polished. They're going to write the titles on the internet, so... Sorry. I don't care about your degrees. I really don't. I don't care where you've been on mission trips. I don't care how many Bible studies you've been through. I care about Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as the chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another. See the word long-suffering? What two words do you see there? Long-suffering. What does the word suffer mean? Suffer means you aggravating the crap out of me. <laughs> and I'm not only going to do it for a long time. Listen to me. Many people have separated two Greek words in 1 Corinthians 13 they shouldn't have done. What's the first thing the Bible says about real love? Love is, somebody know? This is verse four. Love is patient. Actually, the word's long suffering. Love is patient. What's the next one? And kind. And people separate that, this one word. You see, if you're being, you say, well, well, you're being patient, but you're not being kind. You got to do both. It's being kind while you're putting up with their crap. Putting up with crap is the Greek word for long suffering. 
Mom, daddy got, my daddy one time, I was just kids, I think he was in high school, he got the bright idea that him and mama worked for Wachovia downtown headquarters, daddy worked in uh, Pineville. They got the bright idea they would ride together to work in the mornings. Why do you invite disaster? Well, Johnny, he's up. We got to roll. We got to roll. My mama's, she's female. So boy, I'd laugh. He'd get out there, he'd take his coffee, sit in the car about five minutes, and all of a sudden, honk, honk, honk. He, he was being patient, but he wasn't being kind about it. Dear ones, what's the first thing the Bible says about love? Love is patient and kind. I don't care if you can read Hebrew. I don't care that you've been to Ethiopia. I want to know how you're going to act when people don't do right. Will you be kind while you're being patient with them? All right, bearing with one another. You know what bearing with one another means? If somebody's not an idiot, there's nothing to bear with, dear ones. You say, well, the world's full of dumb people. Why do you think the Bible writes stuff like this? Bearing with one another. Let's go a little further. Forgiving one another. Well, just forgive them and go on. Watch this. If anybody's got a complaint against anybody the way Christ forgave you, drop it. Just drop it. All right, the next verse is where Jesus Christ says, this is the top of the ladder right there. Here's the absolute pinnacle of Christian maturity. Above all these things, above all what things? What we've been talking about. Above all these things, above everything in this Bible, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Word bond means mark. Perfection don't mean sinless perfection. It means maturity in the Bible. What the Bible says is the mark of, mark of maturity. It's not when you get Bible degrees. I'm not against Bible degrees. I've got one. It's not when you become a leader in a church. I am one. What is the mark of maturity according to Jesus Christ? It's when you can love like Jesus loves. There was what, we, we shoot for this and this and this. You don't shoot for the greatest thing. Jesus said the greatest thing is to love like I love. A selfless, crucified to self love that puts other people first. Now, I, 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 hear I keep hearing y'all think this. This is going to be terrible. This is going to be, all, hang on, there's a treat. This is sort of like Cracker Jacks. There's a prize at the bottom if you just keep eating. So we bear with other people. All right, let me do one more about this. What does it look like in real life? Can I give you one more? Are y'all sure you're ready for this one? Now, dear, let me tell you something. I preach this to me all the time. I know the Bible. You know that. I pastor a large church. You know that. Yada, yada. I long to embrace the cross. I want to die to self and see what Jesus could do. Number three is, I gotta go ahead and say it because I wrote it down, a crucified tongue. You knew it was coming. A crucified tongue is the absolute pinnacle of maturity. You know what the Bible says in James 3? It's the last thing we ever tame. You can tame a horse, you can tame a ship with a, with a, a rudder, but verse eight, no man can tame his tongue. The tongue's the hardest thing you'll ever tame. Can I get a witness? You may have stopped drinking Budweiser a long time ago, but that tongue can get out of line on occasion. Can I get a witness? I don't need to ask your permission. I work here. <laughs> oh, so just, just when I think I had nailed that sucker to the cross, the problem with the living sacrifice is it wants to crawl off the altar. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Kennedy, a friend of mine, he's a church of God evangelist. I love him dearly. He said how a lady in his church had just tore the church up on the telephone. She ran her mouth all the time. I'm not being unkind. And uh, of course she didn't. You know, she had her bouffant because in the church of God, got to have your bouffant. 
Black dresses all the way down to her ankle all the time, but she'd get on the phone and cut the heart of God out of people. They said, we had revival and she came down and, went and took my hand and she, she was crying. She said, she'd got under conviction about the way she talked about people. She said, Pastor, I, I want to put my tongue on the altar. I said, tell me you didn't do it. He said, I couldn't help it, big. He said, I told her it's 40 feet long, lady. <laughs> Get all you can up there. I thought. Okay. We used to have these revival services where people come up and put drugs on the stage and all this stuff. I remember one night I'm preaching, a guy came up here and just started grabbing stuff out of his pockets, putting drugs on the stage. And I thought, praise God. And then I thought, oh no, that stuff's at my feet. I need somebody with a badge in here to get this stuff off stage. Demons, if we would put our tongues on the altar, it would alter the world. What's happening in our nation right now? We don't have crucified tongues. We have demonic tongues loose in the nation right now. All right, we're in Ephesians. Well, excuse me. <clears throat> Turn back a few pages to Ephesians. Let me show you a crucified tongue. Here's what it doesn't, listen to me. It doesn't mean you don't speak. It doesn't mean you don't speak. Watch this. Ephesians 4, 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head Christ. What's the mark of growing up in Jesus? I do listen to me. Speaking the truth is not enough. Pharisees speak the truth. Speak the truth in love. If you clean my clock, that's fine. If you correct me, that's fine. But you better be my friend. You better love me. And it better be because you care about me, not because you're mad at me. Listen, faithful are the wounds of a friend. One of the best things a friend can do is get in your face and straighten something out. Amen. Wound, what's the word wound mean? Oh, that felt good. <laughs> faithful are the wounds of a friend, but you better be my friend before you come wound me. I know the difference between somebody wants this Pharisee chewing on me and somebody that cares about my family. Amen. I've, got, I've had men call me into camp because they cared about my family. I appreciate that. Yeah. But listen, we've got to speak the truth what? Love. Now, speaking love without truth, you'll end up with America this mushy craziness that we're into now. You have truth and love. Yeah. But to speak the truth in love, the Bible said that's growing up right there. All right, let me show you the examples right here with it too. Verse 29, here's what it looks like. Here's, what a, here's a picture of a crucified tongue in the Bible. First Corinthians uh, 4, excuse me, Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupt or corrupting word proceed out of your mouth. What's the word corrupt mean? Destructive. Now listen to me, listen to me carefully. It can be true but it can be destructive. When we repeat things, well, you said it's true, but does it edify? Does it really help people? Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. What's the only thing I want to come out of my mouth? <clears throat> but what is good for necessary edification, that it might impart grace to the hearer. You know what a crucified tongue is? Nothing ever comes out of this mouth hole that doesn't give life and build people up. That's a crucified tongue. That, that is the mark of maturity. That's the mark of ultimate maturity that we're shooting for there. And that's, that's, what, we, that's what we want. Now, let me, let me uh, I got to quit. I got to tell you the, here's the treat. He said, Brother Brown, what if I wanted to do this? It's a joint effort between me and somebody else. If I ever decide to take up my cross, by the way, how often should we take it up? Jesus died one time for all sins. How often do we do it? Does anybody know what the Bible says about this? I die. God, I, this is my night to show you how bad I am. I can glow in the dark one day. I mean, Mother Teresa looks wicked beside me on certain days. <laughs> By the glory of God. The next day I can wake up and think, I'm going to pinch your heads off. 
Dear ones, you have to run to the cross daily. Sometimes hourly. You know what public bathrooms are for? There's a cross in that back stall. Go get in there. It's, I, I, you just have to constantly. Uh, here's how we do it. I have to believe. Oh, let me show you the great verse. You're right there. Turn back to Galatians 2.20. I've got to believe that when Jesus died on the cross, he wasn't up there by himself. And I don't mean the three men beside him. Galatians 2.20. Listen, memorize this verse, guys. Cling to this verse. Look at it. I have been. Is that past tense? I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it is no longer I who live. Christ lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me. You were nailed to the cross with Jesus. Amen. By faith, I believe that when Christ died on the cross, I was right there. A friend of mine, he was a professor. He was touring the Holy Land and they came to the place of the cross called Golgotha. And he was listening to the guide and he was talking to the guide and God said to him, he said, uh, I believe you've been here before, hadn't you? He said, yes, sir, about 2,000 years ago. He said, I was nailed to that cross right there with Jesus. That's what the Bible teaches. I've been, dear ones, listen, believe that God can handle the ugly side of you. Believe that he took it to the cross. And dear ones, I've been crucified with Christ. I'm alive. But but I've got to believe Jesus is bigger than my ugly side. Mm, Come on. Listen to me. You will never overcome your ugly side by yourself. It was never supposed to be like that. That was never the design. Now, I got, I've got a part to play in it, but if apart from Jesus, you can't do it. Listen to what the Bible says. I, this is one of the things I hate about modern Christianity is we tell people, you've got to do better. You've got to try. And it really just ends up being behavior modification through self-effort. That's not the gospel. Here's the beautiful side of the gospel, 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with unveiled face beholding in a mirror the beauty of Christ are being changed Amen. from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. Over time, you walk with the Holy Spirit. You let God work in your life. And listen, I got saved in a moment. Been taking a long time for me to grow up. <clears throat> I used to get sealed with my aunts. I'd go to family reunion. They'd say, well, you, you put on some weight, hadn't you? I'd say, I weighed seven pounds when I was born. I've grown a lot since that day. It, was, it took him one second to get me out of hell. He'd been working 63 years to get the hell out of me. Yeah. You say, well, he's sure slow about it. Glory to glory. Listen to me. God is faithful. Amen. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it till the day Jesus comes back this earth. Right. You can't be delivered from self apart from Jesus, apart from the Holy Spirit of God working in your life. However, let me throw this in. I do have to make some decisions. Right. I have to choose Say, well, I'm a saved man. I, I'm going to heaven. I act like the devil kicked people around, raise hell. I'm, I'm saved. I believe once saved, always saved. We got a problem here, Doc. I'm going to show you why that's a problem. Now, I want you to listen to what my blood brother Paul said about this. I discipline my body. Uh, old King James says this, I buffet my body. You know what that means? I talk to myself, knock it off, dude. To my ugly side, knock that mess off. We don't live like that anymore. We follow Jesus now. Of course, Baptist read that I buffet my body. That's not what it means either. <laughs> buffet means to be hard on. Buffet means to tell it. You know, I had hunting dogs. They'd get out. I said, get back over where you belong. You've got to talk to your flesh. There was your flesh is a spoiled brat. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. Got to talk ugly to him sometimes. The spirit of God will nail him to the cross. All right, here's the treasure and the treat. Let's, let's look at the treasure and the treat. No, no, let me throw something in here. 
there's a big, I'm sitting at the dinner table one day with one of the biggest Christian singers in America. And he, I literally, he was one of the most famous and he was one of the biggest too. That's why we always met at the dinner table. And I'm talking to him and we're talking about the Holy Spirit and gifts. And I said, well, but I said, spiritual gifts and spiritual fruit are two different things. He looked at me like I had four heads. He said, what do you mean they're two different things? Because he was talking about different things. I said, no, no, no. I said, listen to what the Bible teaches. You can have spiritual gifts and be grossly immature. Spiritual gifts are not spiritual fruit. There was the fruit of the spiritual gifts are uh, teaching, evangelism, uh, healing. Those are spiritual gifts. Galatians, that's 1 Corinthians 12, Galatians 5, 22. The fruit of the spirit is love, right. joy, peace, patience, kindness. They are two different things. You get your gifts the moment you're saved. Boom. You, everybody's got gifts the moment you're saved. Tell me about fruit. Does it pop out there in six minutes? Fruit grows slowly. You see, we can, I can have a spiritual gift to preach and be ag, ag, aggravating. I can have a spiritual gift to raise the dead and be obnoxious. You need both. Spiritual gifts will build the body. Spiritual fruit more magnifies Christ and builds my life. Because we need to grow in the grace. And fruit has to grow. Uh, one of Jim Baker, remember PTL? Remember PTL? One of the, one of the biggest heartbreaks in the uh, last 40 years. Jim Baker wrote a book after he got in prison called I Was Wrong. And he, he's repented. Good guy now, I think. And, but he wrote a book. He said, I was wrong. And he said, the one thing that's, and PTL was the most powerful ministry in America in the 70s and early 80s. He said, one of the things that troubled me so much about PTL was he said, I would have these great gifted powerhouse ministers come in and he said, they would get up and they would minister and people would fall down and get saved and get healed and the glory of God had come and I was just in awe of their power, their spiritual gifts. I'd take them out to eat and they were absolute jackasses. He said, they were hateful of waitresses. Nobody could stand them. They were rude. They were self-centered. And he said, I just remember thinking, what is this? Dear ones, you don't get credit for having a spiritual gift. That's like having a tire tool. We're measured by our fruit. Yeah. You will know them by their gifts. The Bible say that. You will know them by their fruits. Their fruits. There was, you don't have to choose either or. But if I had to choose, I'll take somebody who's nice 23 hours out of the day. Somebody who's got the fruit. We want to go after the fruit that grows like that. All right, here's, all right let's quit. Here's the treasure. Turn back to Mark chapter eight, first verse. He said, brother, but I don't know about this crucified life. That sounds like there ain't going to be much left in the pudding for me. Bingo. I call it the beauty of the crucified life. All right, let's read it. Do you believe that to get married just going to cost you something? Well, I'm not just talking about money. Money's the minor part of marriage. Before I was married, I could do whatever I wanted to. I never check in with anybody. I just go fish for a few days or do whatever I want to do. I Watch racing all the time. <laughs> Stay up late as I want to. Yeah, I could do anything I wanted to. I was a free man before I got married. I gave up my freedom to be married. Don't look at me like a calf looking at a new gate. You're married. Some of you. I gave up a lot to get married. Stay with me now. Guess why I did it? What I got out of being married is a whole lot better than what I gave up to get into it. Can I get a witness? Yes, I have to check in with her every few days. Yes, I have to stay home 
Can't just fly around like I wanted to. Can't just, I gave up a lot to get married. Son, what I gave up was nothing compared to what I got. People don't, people don't like the crucified life that's going to cost you something. If what he gives you is not better, don't do it. What's the, what's, the, what's the serendipity here? Let's read it again. Verse 34. Jesus called the people. He said, if you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Now here's the caveat, verse 35. Whoever desires to save his life will what? Take the word it out. If you demand you're going to live the way you want to live, you will lose. You'll lose it. Let's read the rest of it. But whoever will lose his life for my sake and the gospels will what? You will find it. Isn't this the craziest thing? What does every human being want? I'm going to do what I want to do. You're going to be miserable and have a pathetic life. What do we call the freest people in the world? Those who demand absolute freedom. What do we call them? Prisoner number 671543. You know, you can't, if you turn your flesh loose, you'll be the biggest prisoner on earth. You'll be a slave to your own appetites. You'll make yourself miserable. But if you will embrace the cross, follow Jesus, give up your life, die to self, live to serve others, mm. guess what you're going to find? Mm. This is living right here. Amen. I'm, it's not the smarter I get that I enjoy life more. Certainly not the older I get. I creak now. <laughs> the deader I get to self, the greater life becomes. That's when you find the great Christ life. This, this, is a, this is what's so good about it. Now, the treasure's not just for you. It's for other people too. If you've got a family, all right, the childish self-life, listen to what Romans chapter 8 says. You don't know your flesh is a stinking thing. We are no longer debtors to the flesh because he who lives according to the flesh will have a miserable life. Yeah. That ugly side of you that says, I want my way. You tell him, shut his face. <laughs> He will mess your life up, dear ones. He is a bad influence. I had a cousin growing up. He was awful. I mean, he, he was worse than me, a lot worse than me. And that's bad. I never got around him that we didn't get in jail. We didn't get beat up. We didn't get in trouble. He was dumb as a brick. And finally, after a while, I just said, I ain't hanging around you no more. He said, I'm your cousin. I said, I don't give a rip. I don't owe you nothing. Every time I get around you, I get hurt. When I was a young man, I'm going to do whatever I please. Me. I finally said to self, self, every time you drive, we go off the cliff. Every time you have your way, I got broken relationships, broken dreams, broken hearts. I'm in the, I'm in the bathroom all night with my head stuck where people stick their rear ends throwing up all night. Oh, ain't this great? And then I can't find my money in the morning. Oh, ain't this a great life? Your flesh is not your friend. You don't know what a dime. That's right. Live for the flesh, you'll be miserable. Do what, no, do what Paul said. I discipline my body. I bring it under control to serve other people. You will have the best life. Amen. And you'll say, man, if Americans so long for happiness, why is happiness at an all-time low? Mm. We don't know where to go looking for it. Yeah. You know what real happiness is? It's up there on that cross with Jesus. That's right. Jesus is not on the cross anymore. He's standing beside it, motioning to you, saying, your turn, big boy. Hop up there and let's see what happens. Let me throw in this last of all. It's not just for you. It's for other people. I'm having fun tonight. We're going to bear down tonight. Because guess what I'm going to do tomorrow? I'm going to listen to this and say, it's your turn now, son. The the selfish, self-centered, childish Christian life is repulsive to other people. There's no witness there whatsoever. It just... 
Why do so many believers' kids not want to go to church, want nothing to do with God? God's not the problem. What was the problem? The homes they grew up in. But listen, it was religious, but it wasn't Jesus. What's Christ's life? It's the most beautiful thing in all the world. Amen. People are drawn to the crucified life. All right, I'm going to pick an example here. My wife is probably the most crucified person I know. You say, well, God, she ought to be married to you. She's had plenty of opportunity. Yes. I don't know why. And here's what makes me want to, makes me sick. She don't have to work at it. I mean, what, what I pray and fast and weep over just comes natural to her. I've never seen her ask for a thing in her life, ever. I've never heard her complain one time. She's never lifted her voice to me. 40 years, we've never had an argument. She's the most giving, sacrificial person I know. Uh, she don't know Hebrew. She don't know the Bible as well as I do. She can't preach like I can. Matter of fact, she ain't stand up in front of people at all unless they're six and under. She don't have the gifts that I do, but she's got the life. She's got the crucified life. And again, it's not fair because she didn't have to work that hard at it. I don't, when I get to heaven, I'll figure this out. Doing the most beautiful life is not the most spectacular life. It's the Jesus life. It's the crucified life. And this is what we want. That, that's why it is so effective. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You remember this? You're the light of the world. You know what the light of the world is? Somebody gets aggravated in traffic and they're giving somebody the finger and hollering for them to get out of the way. Got a honk if you love Jesus, bumper sticker on the back. I tell you about the deputy that pulled the lady over. Put his gun out on her. Deputy's going down the road, sees a lady, pulls her over and pulls his gun out. Said, get out of the car. Had her on the front of the car and uh, finally went through her stuff. Found out it was her car. He put his gun up and said, okay. She said, why did you do that to me? He said, I saw the way you acted at that traffic light back there. And then I saw that I love Jesus bumper sticker. I knew you stole this car. <laughs> I love this kind of stuff. I love the challenge of the crucified life. All my heart, I want to be crucified with Christ. I'm going to read it. Well, I have, this is, happens to be my verse for the day. I'll just read it to you from here. You know what part of crucified is? I know the Bible well. Guess why I keep pulling this stuff out? Listen to this. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Amen. You don't get beautiful by practicing. Guess how you get beautiful? Get him out of the way. Get that man out of the way so that Jesus, yeah. get him out of the way. I want you to embrace the crucified life. Study it, pray about it. Say, so just pray, dear Jesus, you can, do you want the fancy prayer or the Southern Alamance prayer? Southern Kill me, God. Mm. Kill me dead as a rake. <laughs> Kill me dead, Jesus. Kill me dead as a rake. Let me tell you why. Because if a grain of wheat doesn't die, it'll never produce anything. But if it'll fall on the ground and die, it'll bear much fruit. Death is the way to life with Jesus. Death to self. All right, I started to say I'm going to give you permission to keep an eye on me. And if you see the old man standing up, point it out to me. I can point it out to myself. I don't need your help. Lord Jesus, I love you and praise you and thank you. There's there's more than just going to church. I knew there had to be more than just going to church. Dear Jesus, my life was so messed up after I became a believer because I saw so many religious people and re leaders and preachers who were so ungodly. But your word is so clear. It's not about how much you know. It's not about going to church. It's not about your job. As that old song we used to sing says, do others see Jesus in you? And I just pray in Jesus' name. This is just a little group of us here tonight. People... People don't love you, you don't come on Wednesday night. 
They're here because they love you. I pray for every one of us in here tonight. Myself at the top of the list. You know, I've been working with you on this lately. I want to be nailed to the cross again and again. I want to be completely dead to self. Lord Jesus, I know, I know more than the disciples knew now. I know the Bible. I got the gift. I want the Christ life. I want the crucified life. I want to die to self so that it's not about me anymore. It's about other people. It, it's about seeing their needs. It's not about, is my dinner cooked right? It's about, is that waitress had a hard day? It's not about, this is my place. It's about what can I do for them? I long for the crucified life. I've seen some people that have got it. Man, I envy that thing. And so, but I trust you. I praise you that I was there when you were crucified at the cross. We, you took me up there with you. For that, I give you thanks. Now make it a daily reality by your spirit. Conform to the image of Jesus, dead to self, living only for other people. There's just something in our hearts that longs for the Christ life if we're born again. I trust you for that, Jesus. I give you all the praise and glory. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. Bless them. Strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.